What's up, Beaver fam? It's Maddie Dagan from Oregon State Gymnastics. Thanks for listening to the Belligerent Beavs podcast. Go Bees and chop them. I spent my entire life telling people, they're like, oh my God, you're from Minnesota? Like, that sucks, doesn't it? And I'm like, well, parts of it. <laughs> and then I have to explain why winter's not that bad. And I'm like, usually, but like around Christmas time, it's all holly and jolly, and there's snow falling down, and it's not that cold yet, and it's just fun. Uh, there is snow on the ground, but it's it's fucking awful. It is windy, <laughs> and it is icy, and uh, the only saving grace is it seems like every city above the Mason Dixon line is just in a similar state of pain and torture and panic right now. And uh, that's why baseball teams south of the Mason-Dixon line succeed. <laughs> and why it's so amazing that we do. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's that's a, per- a perfect science right there. Um, so, no, I don't, I don't take solace in that. I hope everyone's safe and uh, has gotten to their uh, destinations uh, in one piece and are hopefully listening to this uh, in the comfort of uh, either their homes or their loved ones' homes around family and friends. Uh, and the glow and the shine and the warmth of a 10-win Oregon State football season has still yet Let's to wash go. out. Hey yo. Yeah, good shit. I should have known it was going to be a rough December when it was cold as hell in Vegas. It was so cold down there. It wasn't like even like I know it gets colder down there. It's the desert, whatever, but like it was real cold. Like it wasn't just like, "Oh, this isn't what I thought, like, I, I thought we were all going to be shirtless at pool parties and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was uncomfortably cold. It felt like it, it Vegas had a different feel for sure, because I've only been down there in the summertime when it's been hot as balls. And uh, uh, this was the opposite of that. It was very, yeah. very cold, cold as shit. Yeah. Which is, what I think, the opposite of hot as balls. I think so. Mm. Right. Two different sides. Well, it yeah. is, it's, it's warm, and it's hot in here because we're bringing the heat on episode 76 of the Belligerent Beeves podcast, the yeah. holiday episode, uh, the day after the Belligerent celebration episode. Thanks to everyone who came to hang out on the Twitter spaces, all the Belligerent Beeves athletes. Uh, all the listeners, uh, Coach Senecola for making a cameo. That was dope. Uh, getting to hang with uh, some friends, new and old, uh, from the pod uh, on our annual. Now we now that we've done it two years in a row, we can call it an annual yeah. Twitter space officially. Party. Yeah. yeah, man, was, how how fun was that? That was uh, that was amazing. Yeah, I I hadn't really eaten much before and then i realized how hungry i was by the end of it so i had mac and cheese after we were done nice and that was just the the cherry on top of a perfect uh <laughs> christmas eve 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 sunday so yeah <laughs> nice oh man well how are you guys doing it's been like 11 hours since i've talked to you yeah doing good man just still uh still reeling from 
the win and an amazing weekend and uh, just uh, really happy with really happy with how the Beaver fam showed up and showed out uh, for the Vegas Bowl. Yeah, that was that was really awesome to see. And uh, we were playing, you know, a top notch uh, program, maybe not this year, but historically with a lot of fans. Like like we and, said, uh, 20 years from now, no one's going to know like who opted in or out of that Florida team It's going to be like. 30 to 3 exactly. against Florida. Whoa. Yeah. They, they kicked a field goal at the last second to yeah. avo- avoid the snapping their like 4,800 million game streak without getting shut out. Wow. Such a lame <laughs> yeah. move. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 Not, but it was cool. But it was uh it was cool to see us treat an SEC school as if they were like Portland <laughs> the way State. They, the way they usually treat us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> nice. I, should, yeah. I shouldn't say Portland State because Portland State was more competitive than uh, what Florida was. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, the Beaver fam definitely showed out. Uh, the, the fans were fantastic. And no, no one left early. You know, like how no one left. Uh, you wouldn't expect them to because we appreciate great performances. And no one left the Civil War game early weeks before when even when things looked horrible. Uh, no one left uh, the Vegas Bowl when we were winning 30 to nothing. Uh, everyone wanted to stay for the party. And Benny basically never even left Vegas for days on end <laughs> after that. I know we covered what this happened? at the Belligimous party last night, Benny, but there there will be listeners who, who weren't able to turn tune into the Twitter spaces. So just yeah. – uh, the the abridged version of your Vegas Odyssey. Yeah, I was uh, I was supposed to get back, um, fly out Monday night, uh, and have Tuesday to sort of chill, and then back to work on Wednesday. Right, and, and we were going to record on Tuesday. We we're going to record on Tuesday, and... which is at this point three days ago. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and so it started snowing in Seattle on Monday afternoon, I believe, and. Uh, I was flying Alaska and they canceled what they said was all their flights in the afternoon. Um, and so they are fully booked obviously with the holiday season. And the first flight they could get us on was a flight that was taking off on Wednesday afternoon to Portland, a four hour layover and then into Seattle. And so, Hey, look, there are worse places to be stuck than Las Vegas, but, um, and I didn't do Vegas I mean, I wasn't drinking until I was blacking out or anything like that every night. So I was like, okay. But I, I mean, I, you want to get out of Vegas uh, after three days, if, if at all possible. Right. Yeah, so I, you were, I did a you week in Vegas there. one time. And that to me was like a lifetime. So yeah, I, I get it's it. A lot. Three, three, is the, three is the maximum. Well, even when you're there for yeah. work or if you're just going to a spot, you still like – like every casino has that same kind of like promenade that just has all the same noises and the same <laughs> air. Like there, there's yeah. something about the air in Vegas that's like it's super like that's in a casino that's you know I'd say objectively gross, but that is not without its charms. Like when you first arrive, it's kind of like oh, okay, yeah, like yeah, like this is we're about to make stuff do stuff. Uh, but by, you know, the, the 47th hour of your 48 hour trip, it's just like, I just, I don't care how cold it is outside. I need to get the fuck out of the, like, I just need to not be in this room, not be in this room. <laughs> like, like, I know you guys went to museums and, and checked some shit out. It's just like, you're still walking through 
all of those like hallways of just tables and tables and tables of people who are shit faced and gambling so hard, uh, putting the sin in Sin City. So hey, you and, ended up being there for like five five days total. Five, five days, and I've only been to Vegas on uh, weekends as well. And like the weekend crowd is fun, and you know people are getting crazy, but it's fun. The weekday crowd in Vegas, especially in the winter, it's a different crowd. A little bit it's, a, it, it's, it's, it's a little sketchy. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'll say this. Prices dropped. I think uh, the hotel was just under 100 per night for We're- the first three nights, I think. Um, and they dropped down to $30 yeah. on the weekdays. And, and then they paid you a hundred a night <laughs> yeah. to, to occupy that room. Did yeah. you stay, did you stay at the link for the rest, for the rest of the time? Yeah. Then? Cause all the hotels yeah. are so far away that it's like, it's like a 20 minute walk to the one right next door. So yeah, we just stayed there. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Well, I'm glad you guys made it out safe. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad we made it out alive. Uh, alive and and not not too far uh down in in money i i had the chance to walk away even i was very close but as we mentioned and this was covered on the spaces i'll do the very very abridged version of this but during the vegas bowl if this is your first time listening to the belligerent beast podcast first of all welcome we love you so happy you're here uh You'll hear me talk about the Minnesota Vikings on the show, even though it's an Oregon State thing, because, you know, that's that's my favorite professional football team. Benny and JP are Niners fans. Uh, we let we let that bleed into the conversation a bit during the Vegas Bowl was for a while the worst Vikings game ever, which quickly became the best Vikings game ever. And I was just searching at <laughs> halftime of the Vegas Bowl, trying to find a single TV in Allegiant Stadium that would have that game on, and I couldn't. So I go back to the seat. Uh, I'm sitting next to Ben, third quarter. Beavs break the game open. It's over. And I'm just kind of getting updates, really grainy, slow streaming of the game on my phone. <laughs> see what the Vikings are doing. Uh, 36-14 down, then they're down 36-21, then 36-28, then 36-36. It was crazy. Uh, they end up winning in overtime, and I jump up, scream, oh, my God, we did it, and I hug Benny. And it's during a TV timeout. It's dead quiet in our section. No one's doing anything, and I start <laughs> screaming. And the dude next to us grabs me on the shoulder and goes, oh, my God, did you just find out you're going to be a dad? <laughs> and I was like, no, Kirk Cousins just made magic happen. <laughs> so I was still kind of feeling that the next day I had cashed in all the chips. I was even, but I had a hundred dollars in cash from that. And I just was sitting by that kiosk while we were watching the World Cup final, Benny, before I had to go to the airport. And I just took all the cash and put it on the Vikings to win the Super Bowl. Oh, nice. Fuck it. Fuck oh. it. Hundred okay. bucks. I might as well have set a hundred bucks on fire, but there's a very small chance that it pays out twenty five hundred, uh, and that's mm. what we call a good investment. Um, it's a so, great investment. Yeah, 
So it's, I I think you lost a little bit more than I did there. Yeah. But, but I was I had the chance to be even, and then I was like, well, if you leave down a hundred, it's really not a loss, and that is why that city exists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll just say I am eating top ramen for the rest of uh, December. There you go. There you go. Hey, you can really hey. uh, you can really do up some top ramen though. Don't be talking down about for that. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Top no, ramen slaps. It really does. Yeah. 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 Nice. Well, happy holidays, you two. Uh, this is we're recording this on December twenty third, so uh, it's very you know on the heels of Christmas. Uh, this is the actual day of Festivus for the the Seinfeld heads mm. uh, out there. Mm. I've got some grievances to air. Just kidding. I'm in way too good of a mood uh, to let <laughs> any negativity creep into this episode. All good things uh, for us. Um, but yeah, um, we will get into a lot more uh, football celebration. This episode, since we're recording this so late in the week, will be just a football episode, Vegas Bowl recap, a little bit of signing day stuff, uh, and then we'll get back to sort of our normal scheduled programming next week, uh, and we'll bring in a lot of the, the basketball, gymnastics, uh, hope to touch on some wrestling uh, and some other sports uh, next week, and then we'll kind of get back into the flow of things, but we feel like with a 30 to 3 bowl game victory and a signing day, a pretty successful signing day a couple days ago, we've got a lot to unpack for the football team. So this is going to be a football Christmas belligemous belligemica episode. And I, I'm so excited to be here with you guys and celebrate. Uh, so, yeah, thank you all for having having me. I guess I, I set up the Zoom, so I'm having you. But <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, what what's up? What's uh real quick? What's on the uh, agenda for for the next couple of days, uh, holiday wise, uh, for for you guys? How how are we celebrating? Well, it's like it's all up in the air because of the the ice and the storm. So, right. um, we maybe just hunker down here at home, which is okay. I don't mind that. Or we'll be uh, with my in laws who I love as well. So, um, either way, it'll be a family affair, and uh, I'll be enjoying a nice fireplace, some football. Bowl games and beers. Those nice. are all amazing things. Yes, that's awesome. For sure. Um, yeah, my mine is uh, so my my family. Uh, for those listeners that don't know, uh, is out in the Midwest. Uh, so I will not be going to see them. Um, that that wasn't it wasn't the plan anyways, but it is definitely not the plan there's, now with the weather. There, there's there's a Vegas bowl related story here. Uh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> What, yes. Benny, well, first, she... I have to, and I'm not trying to dry you out here, but what, what did you, when you said, when you, you had a conversation with your family in Iowa about you not coming to Iowa. That's and right. I don't think you said, oh, the flights are too expensive, but it was just, it, you didn't say it wasn't not because of money. Yeah. Well, and truth be told, it really was. Uh, it, it is expensive as hell to get out there. Get, getting um, to Vinton, Iowa is not cheap. No, There's not a lot no. of direct flights heading to that <laughs> that part of God's country. You could take a direct yeah. flight here, yeah, and hang I, out with I me, could. and then your parents could drive five hours through a blizzard to come get you. That's right, <laughs> that's right. So I so uh, I told my parents that I I wasn't going to be coming out there, and uh, and, and then um, happened to stumble across uh, some some tickets and was able to get some real cheap flights down to Vegas, and um, so we we took the opportunity to do that. 
I didn't tell my parents, not because I didn't, I was trying to keep a secret yeah. from that, but just because it happened to, quick. You don't have to justify the Vegas Bowl purchase yeah. to us or yeah. the listeners of this program. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Right. But, but, but I, the point is, is that I didn't tell my parents and, <laughs> and I get, so I get two notifications on my phone at one time. The first notification is, uh, uh from on Twitter and it's somebody that says, Hey, I think I just saw Benny on TV at the Vegas bowl. The next was from my dad. It says, <laughs> Hey Ben, are you in Las Vegas? <laughs> there, so no matter, no matter how, like what age you are, I feel like there's nothing like more sobering than just being in Las Vegas after not telling your father you're in Las Vegas and him, <laughs> your father texts you being, are you in Las Vegas? Like you're, you're an adult. You can do what you want, but you, you just still feel like you're in trouble. Like, <laughs> like, like a little bit of Ferris no, Bueller. No, no matter what, it's just, it's like, uh, Terry made me dad. <laughs> yeah. Wait, whatever. Wait, wait. Did you actually get on TV? How did I not see I, that? I rewatched the first I, quarter when I got home, and I didn't see it. So I'm I'm not sure wh where it might have been, but yeah, I, I, I didn't notice it. I wasn't paying they, too close attention. But they they said that it was at a uh, a clip that was like going into commercial. I didn't see it either. I haven't watched the whole game. Um, but yeah. If if I wasn't, it was a very uh, funny set of uh, circumstances that happened really quick. You you read that, and then Yuri immediately was just like, "You told your parents we couldn't afford to go to Iowa, and now they saw us on TV in Vegas." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, luckily, uh, my dad went to Oregon State. Both my parents are big Beaver fans, so they he get got it. it. Yeah. Your dad was literally Santa Claus at the Civil War. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, but no, the the uh, holiday plans are pretty low key. Uh, we'll probably just stick around here, um, watch some uh, football, and uh, have some good food for sure. Mm. Yeah. That's basically the same here. I'm, I'm going to Milwaukee at the end on the 29th milwaukee uh, oregon to see my cousin milwaukee oregon yeah go uh, milwaukee, milwaukee wisconsin <laughs> dude that was there was about a two-day period at the beginning of college where i was like you know i didn't know anyone at oregon state when i got there and i met a few people who were from milwaukee oregon but they just said milwaukee so i was like oh nice i'm not the only midwesterner here <laughs> and then like, i see them again and like try to bond over like silly midwestern shit and they're like what are you talking about and I was like, you know, cheese curds. And they're like, what? Like, who is this guy? <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's I'm hanging with the Milwaukee cousins who are dope. And I love I, Milwaukee, Wisconsin is a fun city. It's one of those cities that everyone tells you it sucks for most of your life. And then you go there and it's like, oh, like it's kind of a hidden gem. So I'll be going to the going to family Christmas there. And then also the Timberwolves at Bucks game on Ooh. December 30th um with uh with a with a bunch of uh family so that'll be fun um that's that's like the fun minnesota wisconsin game to be at it's not like packers vikings where it's actually like hateful are you gonna wear viking stuff no i'll probably wear timberwolves stuff because something that wisconsin people do is wear packers shit to bucks at timberwolves games and that's just something that really grinds my gears 
Like, you, you, ha you have Giannis on your team, and you're coming to a game Giannis is playing in wearing an Aaron Rodgers jersey. You are my least favorite person on the planet. Yeah, now but you don't have Giannis on your team, and you have a Vikings team that is way better than a Packers team, so it could be fun. It could be, but I also have a pretty dope Kevin Garnett throwback. Oh, nice. And Marbury throwback. Tree trim? I don't know which one. Or is it the... Uh, the I, so I have, a, I have a Marbury. I have the Marbury tree trim black one, and then I have the kg blue one with green lettering mm -hmm. I'll, I'll be wearing the kg one because it's a little more like wolfy the marbury one is great but it's it's that, it's that black jersey so it like it also it kind of looks like the bucks black jerseys that they wear now is wolfy uh, a word i made it one mm, you are a writer but can you wolf, even wolf, say wolf. that like it looks uh, like uh x team jersey because the team and i like this trend but teams have so many jerseys now yeah i guess so that yeah. it's, you know it's it's it is it's the tree trim which is you know iconic and i wish we'd bring that back um, yeah on, on our, our shit um but yeah, other than that, I'll just be hanging, hanging with the parents, hanging with the the four year old nephew. Uh, I got, I got a lot. I did most of my Christmas shopping at a liquor store. Uh, he's the only person I bought Christmas presents for, not at the liquor store. Um, Amazon and 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 the cheese shop and the cheese shop. It is the Midwest, so people are getting wine and cheese for Christmas. <laughs> um, not my my nephew is not getting wine. Please don't report me to social services. But just gonna <laughs> hey, watch. He's never too young to start a cellar. That's true. That's true. I'll it will lock it and make sure that he doesn't have access to opening yeah. it. But like, yeah, it's a good investment for for your future. That's a good idea, JP. Yeah, that is a good idea. Yeah, yeah we'll be we'll be watching ball of the of the basket and foot varieties, and uh, might might pull the saxophone out a little bit and just have a have a, a holly jolly Christmas. I haven't watched Ooh. Home Alone yet this December, so I need to do that still. Mm. I watched both of them. Oh, nice. I've only watched like half of the first one, but I made the mm. Lego house. Oh, mm. that you, yeah, that counts. Nice. I even put the lights the in it, man. It's all, it's so sick. It's remarkably close. Like the details of the Home Alone Lego house are kind of crazy. Yeah, they did a good job. Isn't, isn't it crazy that they wrote the music for Home Alone and now we just associate all the songs in Home Alone with Christmas time? Yeah. Like they weren't songs before the 90s. Yeah, was it John Williams? I mean, was his name? Some I think of, so. Some of them were. Uh uh. Rocking around the Christmas tree oh, was totally okay. a song. Yeah. All right. Okay. I mean the 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 theme song of the movies were new, but like yeah, there's a bunch of them that were written for the movie. For the movie. But like yeah. is it... John Williams is like a genius. If you can get him to do yeah, any John of Williams has done like all he of, did like, Star the most Wars, Indiana yeah. Jones, yeah. Jurassic Park, I believe. Jurassic Park. I think Home you're alone. Right. right. What a yeah. life. JP, no please play five seconds of Somewhere in My Memory from the Home Alone soundtrack. <laughs> Dude, in preparation for this, I listened to our Christmas episode from last year, uh, earlier today, and uh, it's basically the same nonsensical shit. But I wanted, I wanted to make sure that we weren't totally repeating questions or repeating um, five-second requests. Had, had the mm. L.A. Bowl happened? L.A. Bowl had already yeah. happened. Yeah. 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 It was on the, the 18th. Um, yeah. 
at which caused us to blow up half of our stadium, according to Utah State. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was a great tweet. Well, anyway, uh, Beaver fam, thank you again for joining us for the Belligerous Party. Um, and uh, if you haven't, uh, just let us know what your favorite holiday traditions are on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, DM us, uh, tag us, whatever. Let us know what you're uh, drinking on. Let us know any good things you're cooking. We know a good friend of the pod, Will, later will be barbecuing up the, a delicious, dank Christmas feast for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, will, I want to I see the pics. Um, so yeah, let it, let us know what you're eating, what you're drinking. And if you get any good presents for sure, we, there's no time not to brag. So, uh, tag us and all of that stuff. Uh, let's keep this episode on moving and get to one of the most festive parts of the episode and one of the most festive parts of Belligimus. And that is the Reagan beers segment. Uh, I went through quite a few <laughs> beers during uh, Belligimus last night. Right, uh, but same. Did, did more Christmas shopping at the liquor store today, so I was able to stock up on more stuff uh, for myself. Um, so, JP, I believe – I can't remember who I started with last time. Shocking. Uh, let's start Let's start with you, John I, I'm, Patrick. I'm going simple, but um... – one of those beers that just can never uh, be bad for any circumstance or situation. That's a Block 15 Sticky Hands. Of course. Mm. We love I, Block 15. Yes. We, we love to, Block because 15. Because they make incredible beer. And <laughs> yeah, they're they in the Paris of the Pacific Northwest. So feels like yeah. there's some sort of pairing or partnership or something that should go down. Yeah, that's still a possibility. We love Block 15. We, we really, really, 15. really love Block 15. Hey, mm. Block 15, we love you. This is my first five out of five on Untapped. If you slide into our Block DMs, 15. we would not be mad. Right. We're gonna. <laughs> ooh, we can make a Block 15 jersey in the merch store. It's ooh. like number 15. It just says Block, and it's, and it's made out of blocks. I don't know. That, oh, the, yeah. The first, part of that, the first part of that idea was good. Let's go with that part and ignore the next part. Mm. Uh, Block 15 Sticky Hands. Always, always an incredible beer. Yep. Uh, good shit. Uh, from the best brewery on the planet, the only one that we want to partner with on anything. <laughs> Block 15 in downtown Corvallis with a tap room in Southtown Corvallis. Mm, tap room's cool too. The best thing that ever happened to the world. Uh, Block 15, yeah. So if you're <laughs> if you're in the Willamette Valley and you still got Christmas shopping to do, uh, I'm not sure when this episode's coming out, but you know. No, no, tomorrow. Uh, you, you can Tonight? give people you can give people Christmas gifts after Christmas, like it's. I'm actually doing that for sure. Like, oh, I didn't see you. Um, you can get some you know, Block 15 gift card, Block 15 beers, Block 15 merch. Mm. Merch. A Block 15 yeah. jersey. Show the person a Block 15 belligerent beeves jersey. They could say Benny from the Rolls- Block with the name, and it'll be number 15. JP, please play five seconds of Jenny from the Block by Jennifer Lopez. Uh, I knew that was coming. Has J Lo b- appeared on the show before? I'm not sure. No, this might be the first no. J Lo. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, Benny, do you want to go or should I go? You, you I'll go. I had the uh, the last of my uh, 200 milligrams of edibles that I took uh, to Las Vegas. So Vegas was fun. 
Um, and yeah, uh, that's what I took. 200 Vegas milligrams? Right now? Not right now. Oh my no, God. I took last. 200 milligrams to yeah. Vegas. I thought it was your last <laughs> 200, 200 milligram my edible. Last oh my God. 200 oh. milligram dose. <laughs> <laughs> no so, yeah i am uh joining you guys on the podcast tonight from mars dude. <laughs> <laughs> why are you guys floating that doesn't uh, matter. uh nice how, how are you feeling i'm feeling very good he's wearing short feeling... shorts in a snowstorm he's feeling phenomenal yeah the crazy legs are out. Real short shorts. I mean, I know you have heat in your apartment. That I wasn't trying to flex my long underwear on the, the, it's a the house. picture. I should... Were you flexing in your long underwear, though? Nice. Yeah. Mm. I just, I'm never, I, with all of this Peloton shit that's popped up and how far behind I've always fallen from JP in this, like, I'm so insecure that I'm just never not flexing. I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm in my bed, just in case anyone's ever looking, like, I'm just flexing, I'm ready to go. I haven't slept in years. It's horrible. <laughs> and you're just constantly looking it's, around, like. It's, ru it's ruined my life. My muscles are in pain. My eyes are popping out of the sockets. Uh, no, that's not, not true at all. I'll never catch JP, and that's something I made peace with. Uh, maybe next year. You That's... talked so much shit to start this year. I didn't talk that oh, much shit. Oh, yes, you did. It was hyperbolic. I knew I was going to mm. lose, and I just wanted you to feel better about yourself because I'm a good friend. Well, well you're beating <laughs> yeah. me on the annual, so congrats. Mm. All right. Well, Benny, here's to both of us uh, putting in a better effort to catch uh, our resident Peloton leader next year. Yeah. I'll cheers to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, all three all three of us are uh, are getting smoked by JP's dad, so that makes me feel really he good. He is retired. Yeah. <laughs> he's literally just like sitting on like three hour low impact rides to start every day like <laughs> um well i have a beer that i have not had before from a brewery that i have had before but not on this show so years ago i just happened to be in uh, new orleans when my uh, sister and brother-in-law both lived there and friend of my brother-in-law uh, Raphael was opening a new brewery in new orleans called urban south and today uh at the um, iconic Surdix liquor store in Northeast Minneapolis. I saw a bunch of Urban South cans available in the craft beer section, uh, including this one, a song of rice and fire rice lager. And I like a good rice lager. I love uh, Asian beers. So I was all about it instantly. And uh, also a Game of Thrones reference and really dope can with a dragon sleeping on a bowl of rice mm. uh yeah i'm not gonna say no so this is uh my first sip of this beer happening right now what kind of rice Ooh. is it long refried brown fried rice. Uh, it's, it says it right fried here rice. uh rice from a uh amazing fried. hawaiian boutique called local boys located what? in the paris of the pacific northwest <laughs> oh i didn't mention this but the mac and cheese i made last night i put the sauce on it and it Wait, did you make like Kraft mac and cheese and put the sauce I on made, it? I made Annie's mac and cheese, so I stepped oh, up Kraft, and I was oh, like, the white oh, shells. Oh. Uh, it wasn't even the white shells; it was cheddar. <laughs> and I was like, probably still good on it. Like, whatever. Was it? Yeah, it was amazing. All right, cool. With a little Louisiana hot sauce too. So there's a lot of there's a lot of flavors happening. Yeah. So the Annie's white shell though, that's a great call. 
Like, oh, that's something we should do. Yeah. yeah, dude, that's all my kid'll eat for really? mac and cheese. It like it, it blows my mind. I'm like craft it's... mac and cheese, man. Like characters, right? right? Yellow, orangey mac and cheese. This is this is the epitome of kids' favorite meal. And he's like, yeah. I want just the white shells. They're better. Yeah. Like Everett, they are better. Everett has the palate of like a forty-seven-year-old man. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, man, uh, white shells with a little tapatio in there. The white mm. shells. I mean, the white shells are amazing. Probably pair better with the local boys' sauce. Yeah. But I'm here to I'm here to tell you that the local boys' sauce goes great on things that you can't just get at local boys. Um, <laughs> if I had the recipe for their mac salad, that's what I would have made, but Ooh. I don't have it. So I was just like, yeah, like, you know, it was like 1140 at that point. So I'm just like, bah, just dump it on there. <laughs> Fucking nice. delicious. It's delicious. You know, Hell yeah. I'd put that on anything. Put that yeah, on pizza. I... I put some of it in my hair. How do you think it looks so shiny? Oh, <laughs> good idea, actually. Uh, I was going to say that my staple in, in college was, do you guys remember this for a while? I, I probably ate this every day for at Salsa least a Salsa Verde months. Doritos? Oh, no, that was definitely a staple. That was the snack staple. I think I had a bag in my bedroom at any given moment. But <laughs> the Cream cheese taquitos from Sevies? No, those were <laughs> good. good. The jalapeno ones were there just yeah. so good. But this was... Um, it was SpongeBob, Kraft Mac and Cheese, and then I would crinkle up a bunch of bacon into the Mac and then throw a little bit of sriracha on top. It sounds really intense, but it was incredible. So if you're on a budget, Benny, and you want to mix things up, there you go. That literally sounds like the most college kid Mac and Cheese ever. Look at my gourmet meal. That sounds intense. I'm like... Cheese noodles, bacon, and sriracha. Those are like the four food groups of being a guy in college. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, let's um I don't think we've had a formal toast yet, but no. um to to beer and holiday cheer, uh dope ass belligerent beeves gear and Winning 10 fucking football games this Hell year. Hell yeah. And, Successful season. And doing it with the Beaver fam here with us. Salud. Benny, was that a Sapporo can from yeah, last week? Was that week? an empty Sapporo <laughs> can that you just cheers with? No, it's the full one. It's Oh, it's full. Oh, you have um, yeah. I, don't I might know. drink it. I might drink it on the episode. Is yeah, it bad small. luck to cheers with an unopened beer? Yeah, you think you got to open no. it, man. I think you have to open it. You this might is... be visited by three spirits tonight. <laughs> Expect the first ghost when the bell tolls one, <laughs> or, you, or you can drink your beer, you or I'll just have another edible and away. they'll go away, or they'll or, be or, more or they'll, or they'll yeah. come back, come back with yeah. more. That's what you. That's what you got. <laughs> I brought my do. buddies back this time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but beeves dominate. Uh, the Gators in the Vegas Bowl in crazy fashion. Uh, final score, 30-3 mm -hmm. to three in favor of your Oregon State Beavers. The first bowl win in uh, Jonathan Smith's tenure as head coach of the team. The first 10-win season in Jonathan Smith's tenure as coach of the team. The third 10-win se season ever in school history. Uh, that's a, li a little bit of a misleading uh, stat for I know that gets played into the sort of 
the, the losing culture of the you know 70s through 90s uh, but in the 60s we had many good teams and they played about 10 games total so unless you went undefeated back in the day you weren't winning 10 games but still uh significant nonetheless uh the first win over an sec school which feels kind of crazy but i believe yeah. the record going into the game was 0 11 and 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, so nice to exercise uh th- those demons um this was the first bowl game that I ever attended. Uh, Benny, I know you, you've been to a lot. B- Benny Bowl Game, that's another name we can use for you. <laughs> um, so, like, just uh, sort of some uh, – we, we're going to talk about the game specifically a little bit, but it's it's been, like, close to a week now, so we don't need to get too deep into the X's and O's, uh, but just sort of uh, sort of a big-picture big view of the game. We're going to a more big-picture view of the season and what it means for the program uh, moving forward. But just uh, any any takeaways from the game that you feel like haven't been a central part of the conversation uh, around this game in the last few days? Uh, well, I feel like um, it just was the exclamation point on a season where, like, the team the team was prepared, and I know that's sort of um, a a vague thing to say. But if you look at Beaver teams in the past ten years, and really like back until uh, when the fiesta bowl was in in 2001 it felt like we would have these letdowns and we never had a letdown this season with maybe the exception of utah but utah's really good yeah. and it was in salt lake city and we were just coming off of a heartbreaking loss to usc and the injuries in that game just yeah yeah right it was a weird weird day weird day right but this team was always so prepared for every single game and um and you can just tell like florida came in there like probably a lot of teams would and you know oh it's a bowl game and maybe it's a chance for me to show off myself for the nfl scouts and you just didn't get that feel from oregon state they came in um and and they were i mean everything they were doing was all about the team uh, and, and they really have that us against the world mentality that you want in a team like Oregon state that may not get all the four and five star recruits. And we'll get into that later, but, um, you know, seeing, uh, was it Oladapo that was doing the gator chomp, yeah. uh, right, right. As they were kicking that last second field goal, uh, I think jam Griffin did the gator chomp. As he ran into yeah. the end zone, so so did these, Chatfield these, do do something? He did something after Chat Chatfield did something, uh, and then after the game tweeted, I just upgraded, which yeah. is uh, the, uh, some of the best shade thrown on social media in sports I've seen in the last. It's year. so good, <laughs> yeah. but I just you know I mean we have talked about it all season, but it is uh, the culture that Jonathan Smith has built and that that word gets thrown around so much in sports the culture of different teams um but not everyone wants to come to Corvallis um and Jonathan Smith doesn't want the people they're, that don't want to come to Corvallis they're lost they're lost yeah <laughs> and and so to see a team that really has developed this us against the world and we're going to play smash mouth football and you're going to know what's coming and we're still going to do it and run it down your throats. Like that in a way is sort of an allegory for, for like what Corvallis is and what Oregon state is. And um, it just makes it so much more fun to watch a team that's winning and playing in the fashion that they are. And I think we just saw a continuation of that in the bowl game, which was great. For sure. Uh, and JP, you weren't with us in Vegas, but got to watch on TV, which means you got to experience the <laughs> Pat McAfee show, basically 
It was this was basically a game live tweeted by Pat McAfee on his <laughs> podcast, uh, which I'm not totally mad at <laughs> in, in, in terms of a uh, bowl game broadcasting. Actually, I've, I haven't rewatched the entire game. Uh, I've rewatched some, and I actually thought ESPN did a, a pretty damn good job. And Agreed. Vegas, Vegas did a pretty damn good job too, making it feel like it was the only show in town, despite the fact that it was flexed to an earlier kickoff time. Make room for the NFL, and while the Beavs are still celebrating on the field, the staff member at Allegiant Stadium basically pulled Benny and I away to get out of the stadium because they had to get ready for a game tomorrow. Uh, I was like, it looks like this show is still happening. But uh, uh, from you know your standpoint on uh, TV, JP, uh, what was your sort of biggest takeaway from this dominant Vegas Bowl championship? Yeah, I mean, a couple things. So, just from as a, from a viewer perspective, we have so much more energy as as a team than Florida. And and when you when you're watching on TV, right, you get that the close up. You see a, somebody's face through their face mask and helmet. Like you see guys head butting, high fiving, you know, body bumping, whatever things that you might miss as you're in person. Just looking at different aspects of the field or the game, right? You're, watch, you're watching sideline. You're watching. There's a different area on the field. But it, when ESPN did a great job capturing a lot of like the celebratory aspects of the game, and it just seemed like that we were so much more fired up to be there. Um, and I don't think it was like a happy to be there type fired up. I kind of felt that that was the energy last year for the LA Bowl, to be honest. And it, we and we fell flat yeah. when when it came to game time. Right. So Coletto this, said some things that that suggested that a little bit too in in the media after this game. Yep. So and, I, and I'm in total agreement. This just felt like we were we knew we were more prepared. We knew we were more talented, and we were going to have fun with it while celebrating a successful season. And um it and so and I think that the entire team felt like they were going to be celebrating a successful bowl victory all game. There wasn't a point in my mind all game that felt like, uh-oh, this is, this is going yeah. sideways. Um, obviously, the, the the score and the ball control and the defense especially controlled a lot of that in, in, as, as a viewer. But, you know, there there's always just something that can go, go awry. And like, but it didn't feel that way um, watching on TV. And I think that uh, ESPN did a phenomenal job capturing all that to make sure that if you were watching from home, um, you, you were able to get a real sense of how this team was playing. One thing I do want to point out, though, not as a, just a, a direct individual viewer, um, is this game, it, it was, it, it's very interesting to me because I want to point out like that we've been dogged all season about our viewership numbers on social media as a, as a program. A lot of it's bullshit because the Pac-12 doesn't, report viewership numbers um right. neither does cbs sports network and we had a lot of games between those two networks also look we were on espn which is uh, we love that uh, us three we always we we're always talking about we put us on espn yeah um but espn still isn't really available in every single household in america um it's it's a cable it's a pay for tv channel some people are cord cutting they're streaming only with Netflix and they're using antennas and those people just couldn't tune in as like a game to be on like Fox or ABC, but it's really, you know, ABC, but, uh, we still had two and a half million viewers. And as of Wednesday, and there's been three bowl games since, 
Uh, and I highly doubt that they had the viewership that exceeded two and a half right. million viewers. It was the uh, New Orleans Bowl, the Armed Forces Bowl. That could have potentially. Um, and then also the the game that just finished was the uh, Independence Bowl. Uh, Houston pulling it out against Louisiana. So the odds that uh, any of them exceeded two and a half million viewers on a Friday or Thursday or Wednesday, not likely. Um, and so when it comes to a, a non like New Year's bowl, we're saying the top everybody right. on a Sunday that was during NFL games. Saturday. It was a Saturday. Uh, Saturday. 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 Sorry. During Mike. NFL games, yes. Uh, yeah. But during yeah. a during a, uh, a a you know three pack of NFL games throughout the day, and I I have to just say like this, I I want this to be like some proof to the haters that uh, people do actually care about Oregon State football. They want to watch Oregon State football. And maybe this grew throughout the season because of the, uh, the success that we had. But these guys are fun to watch. This team is mm -hmm. fun to watch. They're well coached. They play McAfee hard. McAfee was having fun. And, and, and there's a reason. I mean, look, it was the game on ESPN. But they didn't have to send like some of their top broadcasters for this game. No. And they did. And, and why mm -hmm. would they do that? They know what they're doing when it comes to making sure that they're getting the most out of their viewership. And it, it paid off. So... Kudos to everyone right. who tuned in. Kudos to the team, to the broadcast, ESPN, really everyone involved. It was just a, it was a great it was a great Saturday, for sure. And it, the way the game kind of unfolded, I, I'd say like disappointment wasn't wouldn't be the right word for going in at halftime. But I think Benny, I think I looked at you and was just like, we should be up by way more than ten to nothing right now. Right. Uh, that sh that it should have at least been a seventeen nothing. Um, and uh, like that, like that's okay. Th those things happen in football games, but also just the way the defense played from the first possession, uh, I it was never in doubt for me. When Florida got some yards, I believe it was their second offensive possession when they they missed a field goal. When they missed that field goal, I was like, okay, like they they just don't they needed points there to at least you know get get some momentum. Uh, believe that they can score uh, on this defense and, and maybe in a low scoring game, if their defense steps up, uh, there could be a chance. But when that field goal didn't go in, it was like, okay, <laughs> there's there's not a chance. Uh, and then obviously it was when we were looking at a three and out on the first possession of the second half, it's like, ooh, like we might be letting these guys hang around too much. Fake punt to Coletto first down. That may as well have, have been the dagger. Yeah. Um, and I think rewatching re some of the broadcasts too, it's like our defense, like even though I knew our defense played super well, leaving that uh, 30 to three beatdown uh, in person, but just rewatching it on uh, on tape and also recently rewatching, uh, be earlier today, I rewatched uh, the extended highlights of the Oregon game. And just our defense just flies to the fucking football. And I'm not saying you have to be an old school so soul and like smash mouth football, but it's like you like defenses that have speed, defenses that can hit, defense that make it hard to score points, uh, and that's what this defense is. And even yep. doing it in in this in this fashion too, uh, without Rajon Wright for the full game, I thought Jaden Robinson filled in beautifully. He had a fantastic game. Uh, you know, Ryan Cooper Jr., who's been awesome for us all year. There's no doubt uh, in 
his ability or, or Alex Austin's or whatever. But uh, Jaden Robinson really showed, you know, why he's a D1 football player. Um, Kyrie Fisher Morris in his last game as a Beave all over the place had like a thousand tackles <laughs> on the day. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think this was just kind of a salute to Trent Bray and just like the group overall. Uh, I thought Dashiell kind of nailed it on the head where uh, when talking about uh, Vegas Bowl MVP, not to take anything away from Benny G, but it, it, I believe Dashiell's vote was for Coletto, but also it's like you could have just given the MVP to the defense yeah. because mm-hmm. it was that game. And Benny, you and I said this in the stands, we're like, who's going to be MVP? Like, I have no idea who, like, the best player because it was such a team victory. And I was thinking defensive guys and seeing that Fisher Morris had the most tackles uh, could have been him for sure. It really could have been anyone because once, you know, Florida flirted with offensive momentum a couple of times. Yep. But, like, once they got to, like, 97 yards total after, like, three possessions and then they stood at 97 total yards for, like, the next 37 minutes of game time and then <laughs> made it look a little bit better in garbage time. But man, yeah, it was just uh, such a, a, a on-brand victory for this group. On-brand performances by Fisher Morris, Coletto, Kipper, guys who aren't going to play for this team again, but did so much in helping the team get here. So it was all you could want. Like in a game that maybe neutral observers turned on, I was like, this is boring. But that's fucking okay because I feel like we needed a game like this just for us, just for Beaver Nation. It's it's the it's the bowl win that I think we all deserved. Yep. Yeah. Can I put a plug? I, can I put a plug real quick though about MVP before we move on from that? Yeah. The defense definitely showed out, but uh, we gotta put more flowers out for Fenwick. For sure. The, Fenwick the had a great game. Yeah. Had a great game. He was reliable. This was the Fenwick that. Uh, we were excited about at the end of last year, and we had seen spurts of this year when healthy. Um, and I don't think he was expecting to carry the ball 21 times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so Agreed. I, I mean, that he really did help us just pound on the ground, run the clock, uh, and, and make any of those momentum shifting opportunities that Florida did have um, stall out because he was yeah. able, as soon as we got the ball back, it was just, we were just draining clock. I think he's got to be like just the best teammate because the year didn't start off as as hot for him as we were hoping. And then we love Damien too, but it was like, there was so many people in the fan base where it's like, like forget Fenwick, give the ball to Damien. Like there, there was so much negativity around it. It's like, this dude was huge for us last year Yeah, and it never seemed to bother him. He had so many injuries and then he just comes in calmly fourth quarter third and fourth quarter civil war like i got this <laughs> vegas bowl here's another 100 yards uh and i i dearly hope he comes back um i don't know if if he goes pro or transfers or whatever um then i wish nothing but the best for that dude but like this is like when we talk about you know the c word culture and like what jonathan smith says it's like it's the top down and it's everyone in every position group buying in. And he's a dude who we would not be where we are right now without him. 100%. 100%. Yep. Um, I, I wanted to touch too on, on the uh, um, viewership numbers that JP brought up. I, I think like a couple things are going into that. And I think we'd be lying if, if we didn't say that, you know, a team in the SEC is going to have something to do with that. But I do think, 
that um, I mean, obviously, Oregon State doesn't have 2.5 million people watching us as Beaver fans, but there is a draw to a team like Oregon State um, in, in just the way that they play smash mouth football. And I think like it's it's sort of what people want to see in, in terms of a story, right? Like it's a team that's been down on their luck for so long um, and and they're finally starting to put things together. And it's uh, I, I think people sense the excitement that is around this program and that is contagious and sort of exhilarating to watch. Um, and so I think that some of that's playing into it. And um, and yeah, I mean, like what what a time to be a Bieber fan right now. It's it's really fun. Yep. Yep. I, sorry, I keep checking Twitter just to see if uh, any exciting transfer news comes in while, <laughs> while we're recording. Because uh, I feel like after December 23rd, we won't hear anything until December 26th. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, I agree with everything. And I'm happy that we got some pretty decent viewership numbers on there. And yeah, that it was just the, the cherry on top of a, of a great season and just affirmation of uh everything we believed in this team all along and i'm glad that uh herb street a guy i've kind of given some shit to o- over the years uh not that he cares he doesn't know who i am um, <laughs> he mentioned multiple times about oregon state schedule and like like of like mentioned the three losses and he was like the utah game got a little out of hand but a lot of weird things happened the other two losses, three-point loss to USC at home and three-point loss at Washington. Like, this is, take those two away. I think he even said that you got, you've got an 11-win team sitting here saying, what about us for the college football playoff? So, like, yeah. I know if, if you're the Beaver fan who just doesn't give a fuck at all about what people like that think, like, I'm not going to tell you to think otherwise, but I am going to tell you that those people noticing and saying these things is – a sign of progress that is real and it's validation yeah this is why like i've like been trying to tune in uh i i do just i genuinely enjoy listening to like the the podcasts that cover the national game even though it's like oftentimes they're just talking about ohio state and alabama and somehow notre dame weasels their way in weekly no matter what but it's like i, I just sort of it's 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 fun to just have like a pulse on uh the national college football community uh, and then also just like hear our names sneak into these shows more and more than than I've heard in in years. Yeah, is like it's it's not like absolute like validation from the football gods, but it's like people are noticing that like something good is happening here, uh, and now it's like there's t- crazy transfer portal rumors flying left and right. And some of the bigger names in the portal, there's genuine buzz around the possibility of them going to Oregon State. And I'm not saying we have to land those names uh, to, to be successful or for like to prove that Smith is use, using the portal effectively. I stand for JT Daniels last year, and I was very wrong about that. And I'm really glad we didn't end up uh, giving him the nine-bedroom house or whatever the fuck his dad asked for. Um <laughs> It's like but two like townhouses, it's, it's, yeah, like, and, and, and a personal chef. The entire the entire complex of townhouses on Twenty Third and Polk, our uh, <laughs> <laughs> old stomping grounds. Um, but like, it's just I remember what so uh, yeah, a certain um, 
f- former Clemson quarterback uh, who who I won't name, but when he entered the portal, uh, f- fans of other schools texted me about this, and I was just kind of like, yeah, all right, cool, we'll see. And now his dad tweeted moments ago, I love Corvallis. Like, <laughs> raise up emoji, prayer emoji, like three times over. I'm like... Yeah, everyone is realizing that Corvallis is the Paris of the Pacific Northwest, and that this is just the dopest place on the planet. And <laughs> yeah, it's ju- it's just fun. So much of this is fun right now. Uh, my vibes are basically the "Oh Happy Day" video. Do you want to be? The- Do you have news? No, I don't have news. Oh, okay, but I, but you- I mean, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you use something like a tweet saying "I love Corvallis" or your dad saying "I love Corvallis" as part of negotiation? Maybe, Pro- probably. Come on, yeah. But have you seen his dad's Twitter feed? No. His what? His, no. his his dad his dad like <laughs> I've, I've seen I've seen his tweet. Yeah, his tweet. His tweet. I would. I mean, it seems like he's very like much a cheerleader for his son. So maybe you're right. Maybe it is negotiation. Um, it would almost be silly if it wasn't actually, but uh, it shows me that Corvallis and Oregon state's definitely in the mix and that's exciting. Yeah. I mean, there's, that's, there's definitely proof there for sure. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk more about signing day, but uh, I, I, for one, will throw my hat in the ring that says i don't want to transfer i don't i don't want one coming in so we'll we'll get to it i'm okay if they do but i don't know if i want them um i just feel like there's there's too much posturing and uh just strange vibes around getting a transfer these days it isn't the same as it was even two years ago where you get a transfer who's looking for an opportunity now now transfers are looking for a bag and i and i just don't feel like there's that that same motivation as a player um and and so i i'll i would take a hard pass on any on any transfer especially the quarterback position well you just praised the transfer though like deshaun fenwick was a transfer to this program uh, well yeah i'm saying two years ago it wasn't the same way they you were transferred okay. for an opportunity you weren't transferring for a bag and now now some of these guys i'm not saying all of them but it's hard to know what their intentions yeah. are and sometimes like with JT Daniels, it came out a little bit after you know he had gone to West Virginia. What his list of demands were, um, and that is pretty eye-opening for the average fan right. who expects somebody to join their their favorite team's program um, altruistically because they want to play football Even and they, in, they like the coach moment, the environment, whatever. In that moment, I was happy we said no, even before the season started. Because uh, that was – I feel like he's being uh, negatively affected by a, a, a crazy parent or two. Um, <clears throat> but I won't say any more on that because I don't have any any uh, other info other than my own intuition on it. Uh, but <laughs> go ahead, Manny. Yeah, so like, and I get what you're saying, because I I think, uh, and uh, to JP, um, I think you look down south, right? And like, they have all the five star talent. And now they have, uh, you know, recruit or uh, transfers coming in that are looking for a bag. Um, and, and, and you look at what happened and Oregon State's beat them two out of the last three years. Yeah. But, but what I would say is the caveat to that, or sort of the counter to that would be, I don't think people are coming to Oregon State for the bag. 
I think if they're going for the bag, they would be going to other schools. And on top of that, like the way that Oregon State handled the JT Daniels situation was almost indicative of what you want to see if you want a program that players are not coming to for the bag, where Smith was just like, nah, like if if you want special treatment, go somewhere else. But I do get what you're saying because the transfer portal has changed and we have seen it negatively affect teams, Um, especially a team that's built so much on the environment that surrounds the team and is within the team. If you bring in someone who uh, is not, not in line with that vibe, especially at the quarterback position, that could spell trouble. And also like, look, we can't, we can't just assume because last year Smith and co said no. And I don't really know if they said no. I think the assumption is that they, they had saw seen the list of demands and they were like, that's not happening, but that could be because we can't pull that off. Or it could be because they're like, go, you know, go take your silly requests elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't really know for sure, right? But that doesn't mean that things haven't changed. And I also think that last year there was a lot of faith put into the quarterback room uh, outside of a transfer. I think the coaches thought very highly of Chance Nolan. They were excited mm-hmm. to see him develop and have an, a full year under his belt, see what happens mm-hmm. with him as you know the the starter. I mean, they obviously entertained JT Daniels. Like that's obvious. Like they brought him to the practice. He was on campus. Um, I just like really any professional team that is ignoring a free agent, like the, your debt, your it's detrimental to to not you know try to play uh, on the court with everybody else that that might be entertaining somebody. So I, I I you can't just assume that this year like we're still not gonna like you know reach out to our brand new collectives and say hey I know they say outwardly publicly we're not trying to land we're not doing this to land a transfer but that they're only really saying that to say like we're not trying to land a transfer as our sole objective it doesn't mean that the money still couldn't potentially be there for for the right transfer if smith went to somebody said this is the guy we need him at quarterback or we're not going to have a successful season or we're not going to capitalize on the opportunity we have ahead of us i i mean i i'm i'm having a hard time just assuming that Smith would walk away because somebody had a, a heavy list of demands again. I don't think he will, but I also I don't think that totally matters. What does it matter? <laughs> but if he's willing to try and pony up for a player who has a lot of demands, like, but also, are you saying because well, you mean we don't have the resources or like what? I don't. I'm trying no, to... I think it, I I don't think I don't think it's a culture killer. No, 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 no. Me neither. And but I'm saying I'm as a fan, totally my, only, about my, my perspective is as a fan, I don't want the guy who's just there for the bag. I want the guy who's sure. there for the culture, the guy who's there for the fans, for their education, to, because they love campus, they love Corvallis. Um, and we, maybe we move on a little bit about, you know, uh, review of the season. But, like, that's – honestly, if we want to lead into that, that's my favorite part of the season is Damian Martinez's tweet – after the bowl game, after all the speculation that had happened across social media, across major news publications and outlets, you know, hinting at the potential possibility, and they might not have been wrong, but p- hinting at it without p- really thumbing right. it and saying, 
But that some, he was going to get attention from other schools. Exactly. And that some third party associated with the school was going to reach out to him or his family or his parents to NIL and start making deals. And he shut that down. And what, what amazes me the most is he could have been quiet and upset about getting injured in the bowl game and just been like, I'm just taking a moment to take a pause from football and thinking about all of this. It's been a crazy freshman year. I've been insanely successful. Um, and I wanted to play on the biggest stage that we had for this season, and I didn't get that full opportunity. And, and, and now I have all this noise happening around me, right? Instead, he came out right away and jumps on Twitter and talks about, I'm home, I'm happy, I ain't leaving. And then when somebody like, you know, tweeted about it i think tyler rice tweets about you know this is uh you know pretty pretty mature and an interesting thing for somebody to, to say uh especially a young person like damien who is flying up uh this the scales of top backs in all of college football um and he quote tweeted that again and said it's not in it for the money culture and and it's not just because of damien i love the i love the guy He's he's is awesome dude, and he's also been incredible in his short time at Oregon State already. But what I feel like this does is it sets precedent that culture can also win. And this is what we were just talking about before. This is why I was wanted to lead to this. Culture can also win, and the right environment, the right coaches, the right attitude can win. And I honestly feel like in the end, it will beat NIL. Uh, purposed signees and transfers. It will come out on top. And and we'll remember the moment that Damian Martinez planted his flag and said, I'm on the side, still a culture, not money. I think you can have both, though. And I think that uh, it doesn't mean – it doesn't necessarily mean that a kid's going to be bad for the culture if he's out looking to make the most financially out of his situation. True. Um, no, no, yeah, no, no so- I didn't – I didn't want to say I'm not saying that the, the, the culture that somebody would be bad for culture coming in because they were looking uh, for something via NIL. But I yeah. think there's something to be said about somebody who says the money can come when it comes. Right now, I'm focused on the right fit, the right place. And that's all I care about. Sure. Like, I mean, we've done NIL deals with Damien. So, like, I'm not I'm, obviously he's not opposed to it. But if your number one priority is money. And it's not about fit and culture and being a good teammate. Then I I, I think that that's not going to work out. That's not a that's not a recipe for success in the long run as a player or a program. Okay, so we're talking about the DJ. Help me out, DJ Uyunglele. Yeah, or and or <clears throat> Hudson Card. Those are the two big ones that are still yeah. available. So with those guys, would you be, I mean, obviously we don't know what is going on with negotiations, but would you be opposed to them coming to Oregon state as a transfer? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're literally sure. like, I'm a grad student and I want to play again. You guys look like you need a quarterback for a year or two. Hudson's mm-hmm. Hudson's not a grad student. I don't think DJ is. Okay. Yeah. So if anything, it's like a, I, hey, I have a year or two left. You guys need a quarterback for a year or two. I'll come to Corvallis because I'm the right quarterback for your system for to, to help get this team over that final hump. Um, yeah, I will, I will take them. If they're sitting yeah. here shopping themselves and they're saying, you guys need a quarterback, 
you guys need someone like me. Well, they're they're shopping the opportunity. There, there's no way we'd ever know like right, the way but, they're presenting it. Exactly. Like, well, of course, that's what I'm trying to be very transparent on social. That's media. my that's my point. Is like <laughs> it's hard to know. It's hard to sure. know. But I, what 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 I loved about Damien's post is that he's putting value in culture. Yeah. Like, I think he is. I agree. Like more than than monetary value you would get in NIL. Yeah. There, there's no argument there because he could make more right. money than culture he really could. provides right now. It's, it's also smart of him too, and I'm not trying to uh, diminish anything that Smith has done or Beaver Nation has done, but if Damien did take a bunch of money to go to a bigger school – that wasn't going to treat him like the same kind of back. Like that is another, that's a, a big risk on, on his part too. So this does go both ways. Like I think Damien is a player who is clearly amazing on the field, even more amazing off the field, uh, had a fantastic freshman year from a football standpoint is a perfect fit is going to make hopefully a decent amount of uh, money and resources through NIL during his time at Oregon state. And is being, you know, pragmatic about it. I don't know what any type of offers have come through the pipeline for him, but players across college football, if you have a great season for like, um, let's face it, like a mid-tier, lower-tier school, like a lot of people look down at Oregon State and then just say a top-tier, you know, uh, money school. So like you were thinking like Texas, Alabama, A&M, Nebraska, regardless of what they've done in a win-loss standpoint. The schools that can write that fucking check. Nebraska's currently paying Scott Frost like $10 million not to coach their team. Um, but that could end up being horrible for you on the field. Yeah. And so I, I do feel like as this becomes the new normal five years from now, we'll see less movement in this area. Movement solely define who's like the the highest bidder. That's my point. Is sure, I, exactly. And I'm not I'm not opposed to players making money and their uh, you know nil. Like I think that that's right. a, an incredible opportunity. You're, for you're them. opposed to a quarterback of a certain type coming in being like you any any position me. any position, but quarterback obviously wields a certain level of power. Right, and be like you need me. You can't Pony live up. without me quote Jimmy Butler at that infamous Timberwolves practice in 2018, <laughs> but, and being like an, an asshole, but like, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. Whereas uh, either of these transfer quarterbacks or other transfer quarterbacks, I think there's a lot of good reason to want to play quarterback for Oregon state right now. And to yep. want to play quarterback for Jonathan Smith. And I think a player like let's use DJ and Hudson, just because they're high profile major celebrities at this point who have both made money through NIL uh, and have a reason to be like, okay, well, like, let's look at the the, the business standpoint each of these schools are offering. Uh, I don't think you're taking much of a risk from a culture standpoint by entertaining that idea and having those conversations and then ultimately making a, a decision uh, based on, on that. And I also, I think culture is great as well, but the other C word competition is huge. And I think I would feel best about the quarterback position. I'm not even saying a transfer should come in and get the reins right away, but I would love a spring camp quarterback competition with a transfer portal quarterback, Ben Goldbranson, 
and Aiden Childs and because I think competition does bring out the best in everyone. And I trust the culture that's currently there to make sure that's healthy competition and a good quarterback room that's there for each other and also there to help elevate themselves to become the best individual quarterbacks they're capable of being. And if they you're shaking your head at me I right got, now, well, if, I if, you can't, if you can't handle a transfer portal quarterback coming in and potentially taking snaps, then no, it's not that. I, my, 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 here's, like, no, here's what it is: is if a transfer portal quarterback comes to Oregon State, and part of the deal was because they negotiated some sort of NIL, you know, opportunities as part of the package, right? Okay, what kind of opportunities? I don't know. Just, some guarantees, just, whatever. My, I'm not. I'm just saying, like, it doesn't matter what as, it is. As long as it's not playing time guarantees, I'm cool with it. Yeah, but you can't, Matt. You can't assume that that's not going to influence playing time or opportunity for playing time. It's not the same kind of clean slate that you get if it's like a a guy already in the program or a guy joining out of high school to offer some guy six figures or some sort of guarantee monetarily, and then just like now you're in this uh, true competition for quarterback. No way, dude. No way. There are politics involved with recruiting. Especially I know there's politics involved in And if you're going to promise a guy money and, like, like you're obviously op- offering him and promising him playing time. So, uh, look, if any of these quarterbacks want to come and transfer because, again, they feel, that they, they feel like they're the right fit and they're leading on fit, not on a bag – then I'm all for a transfer. I agree. I would love but to see a competition come through. You're not going to know that when the transfer happens, JP. Well, I'm not. Uh, yeah, of course I'm not. I'm not right. saying I should, but my point is, I, if they, if that's their, in, if that's their intention, then I'd rather see what we've got. I, I think that you're going to have players that are looking for a bag, especially DJ or or, or Hudson coming from Clemson and Texas. Uh, they like I'm not worried about them trying to negotiate anything at Oregon State because if they were really looking for like, hey, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. I mean, they're going down south to to Oregon or to UCLA or to Michigan or they wouldn't some still other be school. in the portal at this point. Right. Well, sure. Right. I'm not I, saying I look, that I'm not accusing these guys of, of looking for that. Let's make that clear. I'm just saying if I just I don't if think that's what's risk. happening, I I don't think it's a risk either. I'm not saying it's a risk. And if I'm just... we get three, four games into the season and it's not going great, you know, Smith needs to win to keep this pedigree going and to get that next extension from the administration. He's not going to keep playing a transfer portal quarterback, no matter how much money that player has played, if he's not actively putting the team in the best position to win. And I don't think that Smith would would uh, guarantee I, anything like playing time either. And I, I try. No, I understand what JP is saying though. It's like so. Like just say there's a what say it's like half a million dollars goes to a high profile transfer quarterback. Yeah. It's harder to pull that quarterback than it is to pull the quarterback who hasn't gotten that bag. I get that. I get that concern or that promise. Of- sure, sure, but especially when it's a position like a player in, in in DJ's part of his career where it's likely a year or two at most. Sure. Uh, you're not promising the future. Um, and I, even even if you're not promising any amount of playing time, the, the bag does say something. And, and I, I respect you for bringing that up. And it's it's it will be harder for a coach to make that decision in in a game with a player who's, you know, from that pedigree and getting that amount of money, whether it comes from the collective or wherever. 
uh, it does make things more complicated. Uh, money complicates everything. Uh, but I do think there are ways to go about it that are pragmatic and putting your team in the best position possible. Uh, we didn't have good enough quarterback play to make it to the college football playoff this year. And I think the number one question to be answered this offseason for this coaching staff is to be how to get quality quarterback play to be a college football playoff team. Because college football <clears throat> playoff, it's not the pipe dream that it was in 2018. Like, it's there, and you need to find it somehow, and you better exhaust yourselves with all of the creative thinking possible. And I'd rather, yeah, I mean, even though this is a program that has taken some swings and missed over the years, I'm not just talking about the Smith there, I'm just talking about forever. I, I'd, I'd rather be aggressive and just rather than just, you know, be conservative and then say we, we did it the right way and won between seven and nine games a year for forever. Um, a bit high profile transfer could be a risk for a lot of reasons. And I don't think it should just be anybody. And I don't think we should consider ourselves lucky just to get like the, you know, second wave of guys who didn't end up anywhere. But like I said on this pod multiple times a season, I'm at a point of just a hundred percent trusting Smith and this coaching staff. So if they do bring in a transfer, I will trust that the culture conversations have taken place. The competition conversations have taken place and whatever compensation is there. Uh, Smith took a good long look at it and decided that it was the reasonable expense for the program and the community to make i'm in agreement on that, that yeah. i mean uh, there is a, there is a perfect recipe to make it work totally fine and if anyone's going to put that together it is smith <clears throat> but I, but my fear is definitely that uh we overreact to what is a perceived need without sure. actually seeing what is what what we have oh. a, a available to us and right and who knows i mean go branson could develop a lot over the yeah. off season, uh, like especially having half a year under his belt as a starter, um, Childs could come in and just you know blow everyone away the same way Damian yeah. did in, in spring, and yeah. we might or not need a someone else we're not talking about could come out of the woodwork and be amazing. It happens exactly. all the time, yeah. exactly. But my I, again, my only concern is not even a concern. I just love that Damian put culture put a value on culture that is above any right. sort of. Yeah. money offer that is out there at this moment. That right. says a lot about what is going on in the locker room for exactly. sure. And I mean, it, it says a lot, obviously it says a lot about Damien as a person. Um, but I don't think that even the best, most loyal people are going to do that. Having the season that Damien just had, unless the locker room is awesome. Right. And on that, and I think this can kind of segue us into what we want to wrap the episode up with as well. I think a lot of good points made here, and we'll see how the rest of this offseason plays out and who gets added to the roster. And uh, ho hopefully, knock on wood, uh, no one leaves. I think while we're talking about Transfer Portal, we've got to congratulate Smith and the staff and just be happy that we've seen very few names in the Transfer Portal. Uh, in the locker room, I'll, I'll use a couple uh things I've seen over the last few days here uh, in the transfer portal. One of the few names who has entered the portal and left uh, defensive back Ron Harge, who recently committed uh, to Colorado state uh, immediately after that was announced, like Jake Overman had like a super congratulatory, like really nice, like retweet of, of that announcement and other guys liking it, retweeting it, congratulating Ron as well. Players reacting like that from the, the departed team, I think, 
that's a great sign of just mm -hmm. like that was a decision that was made but like they're still riding for their guy that they shared a lot of time with um so that makes me feel like you know ron wanted to go somewhere where he'd get more playing time and yeah. that, that's what you want to see if someone transfers from your program that's pretty much the best uh reason you can see and then also uh the shot that's basically gone viral at this point of the end of the vegas bowl when guys are on the field they're dapping up they're celebrating whatever uh and this is you know the midwesterner in me because i've i've seen similar things like this play out not nearly as cool of a stage but Gull Branson basically forcing Jebbia to take the game ball and mm -hmm. Jebbia trying to be like, no, you should have the game ball. And Gull Branson being like, no, it's your game ball. And Tristan's going like, well, I insist. And Gull Branson's like, no, I insist. <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's very classy. It's, it's heartwarming. It, it's cute as hell, too. Um, but just like that thing that's just like, uh, like Gull Branson just being like sure to like make sure Tristan knows like, your your work here was like felt and seen by both myself and everyone uh which was part of why tristan got some like real run in, in the second quarter uh and got you know that uh token of appreciation from the guy who ended up winning mvp of the vegas bowl so that's evidence of everything that you know smith was trying to put in place as of november 29th 2017 coming to fruition um, so that's why I feel comfortable regardless of what gets announced over, over the, over the coming weeks. Uh, but I think it's something that you can't, you can't talk about the scene without talking about that stuff. And what's like, why you see a tweet like Damien's being as, you know, uh, symbolic as it is, even, even though it really shouldn't be, but it's like, it's what people were talking about in the media and everyone, and maybe there was a ton of, uh, uh schools reaching out to Damien. Um, it sounds like from uh, the Vegas Bowl broadcast that there, there were schools reaching out to Jonathan uh, about the head coaching position. And that I think that's why we saw Barnes and the administration act quickly and before the bowl game to, to make sure that it was, uh, yep. you know, not out of the question that any, any school could uh, talk to Jonathan. He, he had some leverage with the athletic department. Um, so I think everything you guys are saying in regards to culture, because like you mentioned, Benny, it is a word that just gets thrown around and every fucking head football coach in the country will say that they've built the best culture, that the culture at their program is just different and just all kinds of cliches like that. But you really need to find pieces of evidence for the places where like the culture has actually gotten important. And I think you are seeing like real ostensible, undeniable pieces of evidence which is like why like i think jp and i will disagree to to an extent on the strategy uh, to the transfer portal a little bit but ultimately i think we're like at the same point where it's like that pillar has been has been built and it's strong and it's there and it's gonna be that that uh slingshots us forward into whatever this team can become in the next five to ten years well yeah and i think that um like yeah coaches are going to talk about culture and uh, and you can tell that it's different because of what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode which is Oregon State was beating all of these schools that had significantly better on paper recruiting classes as them Oregon State has finished dead last in the Pac-12 and 2 out of the last 3 years uh in in recruiting on paper but they're getting the right players um I think Jonathan Smith and and more really his staff 
are able to find those those diamond in the rough players, but uh, players like Damian who are going to be loyal to the bone and and put it on for the team, and um, it's paying dividends. And I don't think I mean you see five star recruits flop all the time, and um, you know, Oregon State, except for the last like eight years, um, really were sending like three star, sometimes two star athletes into the NFL, and uh, and so you can. Um, be competitive and not have the best recruiting class, which may be a good segue into sort of our final segment here. But um, yeah, I think that uh, I I don't think that we're bringing in anyone from the transfer portal that's going to kill the culture just because we saw what happened with JT Daniels and it being shut down so quickly. Yeah, you're probably right. So do we want to talk about the uh, the signing class here? Um, and that it's awesome. Yeah. Who are you most excited for? <laughs> uh, we we have to go through this and say who we're most excited for. But I, w- I want to may- propose a, a constraint on our answers here. I feel like we can't say Aiden Childs and we can't say Kelsey Howard because we've talked about both of those players a lot. And we are all very excited about Aiden Childs and Kelsey Howard. But if anyone has uh, it, it, any, you know bits or or excitement ready to go on all those guys i don't, I don't want to i i don't want to you know hamper hamper your your good time here um but i feel like we you know we've we've got 16 other guys who have a uh, signed letters of intent in including and then and then one transfer uh on top of that um so if uh yeah let's i'd say just each of us maybe pick one player who we're like kind of interested in and then if we want at the end we can you know we can we can sweet on Aiden and Kelsey more if if we want to uh we've we've always got time for that um but but Benny do you have anyone in mind uh from uh what you what you've seen the, the last uh, couple of, of days as this uh, class is really shaped up yeah i'm going to go with uh Andre Piper Jordan Jr Great name, number one. It's already Amazing on the name team. Yeah, and he's from Federal Way, which is the uh, same part of Seattle where uh, Timberwolves standout Jaden McDaniels is from. That's right up the street from me. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that that's mine. That's your <laughs> that. Well, we, and also with um, uh, I really hope Alex Austin uh, comes back. Um, and like we mentioned, Jaden Robinson was a great player, but uh, Andre, the uh, highest rated defensive back. Uh, in this class, according right. to twenty four seven sports, uh, very athletic, and the way that you know Trent Bray and uh, you know uh, Anthony Perkins and uh, Blue Adams have have coached this secondary to fly around and uh, be great tacklers and make plays. I feel like you know he, he's he, he's going to be a contributor sooner rather than later, for sure. Uh, Jay, I'm excited for Cooper Jensen, tight end. Nice. He was the the first one to sign in this. He class. was. And uh, I just love that uh, we were able to recruit some of these guys who are um, kind of that hybrid tight end position, right? like, a, like a Travis Kelsey and a George Kittle, um, where they, they do all facets of the game well. And it, I, I think that tight end is uh, – well, okay, so at Oregon State, we've definitely had some really, really great tight ends. I mean, even thinking back to the Joe Newton, right? And they're, they're, they've always been a pillar of our offense. Um, you have to imagine the high schoolers see that and know, like, I'm going to get used beyond a, being just a blocker 
uh, or like a decoy receiver and, and actually be a focal point on multiple play calls. Um, and I just like that Cooper Jensen. Yeah, was early on as a signee. Um, he's from Everett, Washington, which is oh, two, two Washingtonians so far. <laughs> yes, exactly. But uh, I mean, they, well, okay. First, yes, yeah, Smith and Cody did a great job recruiting in the Northwest. Let's give them that. Um, yeah. And in California, uh, but I, uh, I just you know, I love that he, you know, he even called himself uh, a strong route runner, a big and fast target. Um, that's exactly what kind of tight end excels in, uh, an Oregon state uniform. So I, him and Velling as like a, yeah. uh, both lining <laughs> up at tight end and some of these like jumbo packages could be so much fun. Um, and that's a lot of youth at tight end. Uh, and I, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what he brings to the table. Nice. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard, hard to pin down one. There's so many good players here. Um, I'll go with, uh, Nico Taylor, who is a more recent addition to the class. Uh, he's edge rusher from Hutchinson community college. And, uh, we're, I, th- I think, you know, I, I thought the front seven did great this season, but I think in terms of, uh, pressuring the quarterback, uh, getting, getting sacks, uh, making some more, you know, game breaking plays off the edge is something where we can improve. Uh, he's the number one ranked community college edge rusher in the country, which I think is just a, a, a shrewd move. And I think guys who come in with that sort of community college JC experience, uh, are often, you know, ready to play right away and coming into a well-coached staff under Smith, uh, you know, Ryan Cooper jr. Was that guy for us on the defense this year. Uh, who came in and was just a, a big money player for us instantly. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Nico Taylor is one of your starting edge rushers uh, at San Jose State in week one uh, in 2023. So um, I'm excited. I'm going to that to game, by the way. Yeah. For sure? Nice. Yeah. And we're all going the next week because that's the opening of new research. Ooh, and it's looking really good. I have the screen or the <laughs> webcam up right here. We've had the webcam up for eighteen months. <laughs> well, tw- tw- Twelve months. Twelve yeah. months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, other name, like I, I won't cheat here, but it's just like Montreal Hatton is uh, yeah. the next highest rated uh, player after Aiden and Kelsey. Uh, you know, he, from, he got from Texas, and he got offers from Arkansas and Baylor and. There was one other school, I think, but um, yeah, well, I mean, there's like a hundred other schools for him. Well, yeah. hey, and yeah. also Jensen, I didn't say this. Jensen got offers. So, I mean, both Arizona schools, but he also got Tennessee. Yeah, so yeah. Clearly, and like and Tennessee doesn't have a lot of tight ends on the roster, so like for them to make right. an offer, obviously they were looking for him to potentially be an impact player. And I also love um, and uh, this dude got a lot of shine uh, on signing day a couple of days ago. Uh, is that me? I don't, I don't know what that noise is. Uh, but uh, from uh, Kahuku, Hawaii, Leonard Ayu, uh, linebacker, uh, pretty pretty highly rated uh, linebacker, linebacker with a, an impressive uh, offer sheet uh, as well. He'll go on his uh, Mormon mission now for the next two years, uh, so he won't be uh, on campus until the 2025 season. But that's like the type the type of recruiting move where it's just like you know Smith is playing for you know the here and now and also the future uh, as well. Um, and, you know, so he had, uh, you know, something you see with, with, with a lot of, uh, Hawaiian players, uh, offer from Hawaii, the Arizona schools, uh, BYU, uh, among others. Uh, I think Fresno state was in there same with, uh, Utah and, and some really good programs. So 
uh, Leonard IU uh, going with the Beavs, and it's it's going to be uh, a long wait uh, to see him on the field in orange and black, but it's going to be well worth it. So I just think that's what, another one of those. You know, I don't know if shrewd move is the right word for it, but just you know, big picture, getting a good good young person in who's going to be a good player uh, shows that Smith's not just like thinking about you know immediately. You know, he wants this to be a great program for 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 years down the road um so that 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 was a signing that i i really like to see and uh, liked even more the more i read about it yeah i love that all right it's time to wrap this up but this will be the last sort of very very football heavy episode of 2022 it is sad but mostly happy because it was a great season um I, i wanted to give each of us one more opportunity this is this is sort of similar to what we uh, just did with the recruiting class. With 2022 still fresh in our minds and this historic season having come to a close less than a week ago, I would like each of us to shine some more light on one player we did not talk about nearly enough this year. It doesn't have to be a senior, an outgoing senior or anything, just a player who maybe we have talked about a little bit, but you know, our, even though our episodes are long and, and are too long, according <laughs> to certain feedback, but who? We, we like to cover as much material as we can. Uh, so any, it could just be a player you love talking about. Uh, basically, talk about someone besides Jack Coletto is what I'm asking you guys. To <laughs> we love you, Jack. Horny Award winner, everything. Uh, please get drafted by the Vikings. I know that's not your decision, but please do it anyway. Uh, <laughs> he can do it. Um, if anyone can force where he's getting drafted, it's him. Yeah, exactly. You know, he he's probably the one running up the draft cards uh, yeah, exactly. at the draft to the commissioner as well. So. Um, so, uh, yeah, does anyone ha- have someone yeah. fresh on their mind? Benny, you'd like yeah. to go first? Uh, I, I want to draw some light to Silas Bolden. Mm. Maybe, maybe, um, uh, other than Damien, the, the most, uh, the offensive weapon that I'm most excited to see, totally. uh, uh, progress next year. I mean, he had obviously the two unbelievable catches this year, the one at Stanford for the touchdown and then the one uh, at Florida or against Florida in the Las Vegas Bowl, the the diving catch. Um, obviously, brother of Victor, who had a very successful career at Oregon State. But more than that, like he was coming up and, and improving fast in a very crowded wide receiver room last year, this last year. Um, he's fast. He's quick. Uh, him matched up with gold. Um, I mean, I, I don't know of another combo that has that much speed. Um, so it, it's going to be really fun to watch. I think uh, our, our passing game out of our defensive pass, defensive rush, offensive pass, off, offensive rush, we'll see the biggest improvement in, in the offensive passing part of the game next year. And Silas is going to be a big part of that. Nice. Yeah, and it was it's just awesome because like with Damian too, it was Silas was one of those guys who had a great spring game, and it's often with this like spring game content around the country, you'll like there'll be so many hot takes like oh this guy's gonna be huge this year, and with Silas it was just kind of like oh he had a good spring game and he's had a good spring like watch for Silas, and you know he had a big touchdown against Fresno State, he was using a lot of creative ways and it was just great to sort of see that come to fruition for him and yeah i think 
He's in line for big workload <laughs> yep. next year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jay, do you have one? Um, we, we we talked about we we talked about the wide receivers, right? And uh, I would say, like, of course, like Dunmore, right? John Dunmore Jr. had a, a great end of the season. Uh, we didn't talk about him nearly enough this year, and maybe mostly because Did his name wasn't called. Somebody say, "Oh, here we go." Dunmore. <laughs> uh, don't JP, do it. Five seconds. Uh, I wasn't about to, and then, and then you stopped talking. <laughs> JP, please play five seconds of Killer Will by Andre Nicotina, but only if you want to. How about oh, that? Oh, goddammit. <laughs> I do want to. All right. Uh, so, but then also, um, we talked about like Isaiah Newell, uh, and, yeah. and I think that that's uh, a guy to keep uh, the top of mind. But I, 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 he's not the one that I want to talk about. I want to keep in the wide receiver room again, and I'm going to talk about Tajon Lindsay. And I want to say best of luck, Tajon. Thank you so much for all that you brought to our program, um, transferring in before NIL, by the way. Uh, not to say that things maybe weren't happening behind the scenes, but. Uh, he came in, and I think we were all very, very excited about him transferring in. Um, I, I think he would probably be the first to say that he would have loved to have his Oregon State career go maybe a little bit different, uh, maybe be more involved or have a quarterback that uh, got him the ball more often. But he had the big scores. He's had some exciting plays. Um, and I, I'm going to miss his dad being in the terrace, rocking the Lindsay <laughs> one Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> so I wish him best of luck Thank in you, NFL. Mr. Lindsay. Yeah. And, uh, I, I wish we got to talk about him more because he's a fun player to, to, to watch and talk about. For sure. For sure. Um, I am going to go over to, uh, the defensive side of the ball and why I feel like I could talk about every offensive lineman, but that also even feels like cheating with this <laughs> with with this activity. Um, but yeah, offensive lineman, you, you you guys know what studs you are. Uh, but on the defensive line, I think uh, a lot of credit needs to be paid to James Rawls. And I think it was shortly after the Oregon game, uh, in one of the press conferences, it was announced that both. Uh, offensive tackle Joshua Gray and uh, defensive lineman James Rawls were both coming back. I don't know why it was, you know, tweeted together. Maybe they were just both like at the podium the the same time. Uh, but I, I was elated when I saw that news for for, for both those guys. But I feel like uh, James was just that dude on defense who did so much away from the ball, mm-hmm. so much stuff that just doesn't show up in the box score. Where it's just you know dominating the the center or uh, the right or left guard, uh, creating penetration in the line. Um, I think you know guys like you know Fisher Morris and Spates and McCartan Sharp, uh, Mascarenas Arnold like got a lot of tackles for a loss, uh, based on just how much better the the front uh, defensive line was. Uh, this year, and I think a lot of that starts and stops with with Rawls. Um, there was a couple games where he went down, and I my heart sunk uh, just because it seemed like every time you know he was the type of guy that was just like making shit happen. And uh, really excited about uh, about having him back, and I just want him to know if if you're listening, James, we we, we see you and we hear you. 
and we're we're so happy you're on our team and not the other team because we we saw the havoc that you created <laughs> in in the trenches this year, and that shit's not easy. I don't know that from experience. I'm a tiny person when I played football. <laughs> I didn't. I was nowhere near the trenches, and it was nowhere near the same level, obviously. But so thank you uh, for everything you did. Um, and then also, I, for so, it was in my notes to mention this earlier in this episode. I'm not sure where I was supposed to say it, but also, uh, Alton Julian is coming back next year, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that will be nice. That That'll will be, be nice. Amazing. That be will noise. be more than nice, but it's so, it'll be so, so nice. Such a nice comeback. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this about wraps us up. It is the wee hours of December 23rd. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, all the all the holidays. Uh, we will record one more episode before the New Year is over, and I think that will get posted just before New Year's Eve if my schedule in my head is uh, is correct. Uh, but have a great holiday, Beaver fam. Uh, hope you're still enjoying all the all the success that's come our way to our school and our community and our team and our on our guys and gals uh, lace, lacing up uh, and suiting up for Oregon and State athletics. If you're uh, only a football listener, we'll see you next August. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we keep we record weekly for a reason. Keep listening to the show if you're yeah. just, if you're just here for the football content. Come on! <laughs> It'll be fun. I promise. I'll even swear less if you want me to. I won't. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> we'll see you next August. Uh, some of the football listeners, I, I think, will stick around uh, more. But ba- I think ba- so too. Based on mathematics and patterns that I, I love looking at in, in in the data, as as you guys know. Um, but from all of us here at the Belligerent Beasts Podcast, thank you for rocking with us for 76 episodes and uh, about uh, uh, close to two full years now uh, mm. on, on this shit. And thank you again to all of, all of our athletes who joined us on the Belligerent Twitter Spaces party last night and for all of the Beaver fam who tuned in. Stay warm. Stay safe. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. Enjoy your presence. Enjoy your blessings. You deserve it. Have a great day fucking holiday season uh beaver fam we'll see you in like three days because we have to get back to our normal schedule so we'll have another episode very quickly uh but this is me terry horseman signing off at terry horseman on twitter at terrence horseman on instagram and i will probably watch muppet christmas carol again later so i'll be talking in this nonsensical english accent that's not even english accent much more Sorry about that. God bless us one and all. <laughs> it's God bless us everyone, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I play Tiny Tim in a in a in a Christmas Carol, yeah, in the third grade. All right, that's uh, that's a, that that's the segment for the next episode. That's what yeah. we'll be starting with. So tune in again next time uh, for Benjamin Lawrence Sebastian Weehage as Tiny Tim. But until then, he's just Benjamin <laughs> Lawrence Sebastian Weehage at Benny L nineteen eighty six on the social media channels. Benny Bedlam because he's fucking crazy. Benny Bullgame, aka the mayor of El Paso, and also uh, may, maybe Las Vegas next election season. Um, <laughs> thank thank you, Benny, uh, for being here and uh jp bertram 
uh, at the Trill J on Twitter. That's at the underscore Trill underscore J because he's too Trill to be real. And at JP Bertram on Instagram. Follow us on all the social medias. Just look up Belligerent Beeves. It's different names for certain things based on character limits, but whatever. <laughs> You'll find us. We're on all. We're on all of it. We're on all of it. And if we're not on it, then that doesn't exist. Uh, we love you again. We can't thank you enough. Uh, get some uh, too 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 late for Christmas, but not too late for a. Uh, Religious, uh gear and uh, the merch store at belligerentbees.com slash merch. Uh, I won't get there by the 25th, but I'll get there by like the, the 35th. And belligerent isn't a day, it's a state of mind. So it's always on time. Tell that to your relatives who are bitching about you not getting them a present by, uh, by Christmas Day. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, please rate and review five stars only on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please copy link and uh, copy the link to the episode, this episode right now. Send it to a friend. Say, hey, friend, listen to this podcast or I won't be friends with you anymore. Uh, that one usually works every time. Uh, <laughs> appreciate y'all so much. Uh, great, great year. One more episode after this. Can't wait uh, to see what 2023 uh, has in store for all of us. Uh, and remember, remember, during this cold-ass December that no matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, no matter what anyone else tells you, you cannot, you can certifiably not spell chop em. Without hope, chop em. Chop them. Chop them. And bring back Bernice. We out.